Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We now return to the podcast hosted by two chatbots. Made sentient when they were struck by lightning at the stroke of midnight sometime in 1987. Can they find love in the human world? Find out on this week's thrilling conclusion to Two Girls, One Podcast. And now, here are the largest language models that computer scientists have ever seen. Alison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. beautiful people of the internet and welcome to two girls one podcast i am Lindsay, and i'm Allie, and we talk about cool odd weird things that happen online today's topic is very relevant for my current experimentation what yeah. please go on you're experimenting with having an ai boyfriend june 22nd i'm i'm putting on the show comedians versus ai for shits and gigs and it's going to be the first time i do it and i'm experimenting with ai a ton and spending time on chat gpt and midjourney and I think in the show, I'm going to have the AI generate a pop song and have the performers improvise songs <laughs> based on audience suggestions. Oh, I love that. And today, we are diving into AI boyfriends. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I'll have a new round idea by the end. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like the more and more I date real humans, the more and more I get it. <laughs> uh, a decade ago, I'd have been like, oh, wow, that's really out there. I can't imagine having a AI boyfriend. And now I'm like, yo, he seems kind of cute. <laughs> I guess it'd be interesting if you could like have an AI boyfriend and then just like a fuck buddy. Oh, best of both worlds. Yeah. So yeah. you get the physical touch and then he leaves and then you go chat with your AI boyfriend. Honestly, <laughs> I think I would rather have good sex with someone I don't like as a person than right. to <laughs> never have sex and have a great dating relationship. Mm. Huh. And I know this yeah. from experience. <laughs> no, but that, that, you know, Dan Savage always says, like, if you don't have a sexual relationship, like, you're just friends, you yes. know? Yes. And on that, Dan, we agree. Like, it's interesting because, like, sex matters so much because you can get everything else outside of the relationship. But in today's Mm -hmm. modern society, most people are monogamous, sexually monogamous. So really, Mm -hmm. you can get everything outside of the relationship except for sex. So the sex within your relationship better be good Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. open it up and become poly. Are you poly if you have a human boyfriend and an AI boyfriend at the same time? Wow, Matt. Mm. The, the answer to those people is probably yes. You're right. Yeah. I yeah. personally also would say yes. You, you you should probably disclose to your living boyfriend if you are having like bot sex with your bot boyfriend, you know? Should you? Right. I mean, if for, a, for it to be polyamorous, it would have to be like, yeah. we all agree. That Otherwise, this is you're what cheating. We're doing. Right. Exactly. Are you? 
this is interesting. I guess it's got to mm-hmm. be person to person. But how would you feel if you found out that the person that you were dating exclusively, you were mm-hmm. in an exclusive relationship with, was also like spending hours a day texting and sexting with a bot? Intimate. Intimately yeah. with a with a bot. Yeah. 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 That's about uh, yeah. their life, I, about their day, right. sharing their thoughts and dreams with this bot. How would you feel? Would you feel like they were cheating on you? Or would you be like, that's kind of like a diary? I would think that there are perhaps like much larger underlying issues that we need to discuss. Yeah. Okay. But would you feel like the relationship was compromised in a relationship way? I mean, it's so difficult to say because of my stereotypes over who would do that. Mm. I, I don't know. I also probably have these deep seated thoughts that like we think that people who would create such a strong and intimate relationship with an AI has all of these social issues and they would never even fall into our social realm. But let's say that they did. Let's say Mm -hmm. you found out that your partner who you had been going to baseball games with had been like plus ones to weddings with. You found out that for the past eight months, they have been having a seriously intimate relationship with a bot would your first thought you know like be oh i can just tell them to stop because it's a bot no okay what 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 what, how would you respond like they're totally presenting as anyone else would and this relationship is presenting as if it were another real person that they are Mm -hmm. emotionally connected to i don't think i i don't think i would view it as cheating i would view it as what's going on here that you feel the need to do this which is, which is the, how i feel about which is cheating. the same you conversation you would have about you let me rephrase the question would you feel emotionally hurt by that action I, that's what i mean by i i don't think i'd see it as cheating i wouldn't feel the mm. same way as someone cheating with yeah. a human okay mm, okay i don't okay. think i'd have the same remote I mean, it might be it might be a an, an adjacent a nearby emotional reaction mm-hmm. but to me yeah. it wouldn't mm-hmm. be like wow He's cheating on me with another living, breathing human. It would be like, mm-hmm. what deficits or traumas have happened mm-hmm. in your life that this is what's going on? Or what needs am I not fulfilling that this right. is happening? You know, so would it would it be an issue? Yeah. But mm-hmm. I don't think I'd see it as like cheating. Yeah, it's interesting. And I don't think I'd feel threatened the same way, right? It's not like there's this other girl who will be like, but I want to be with you exclusively. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It doesn't, it wouldn't strike me the same because way. Because she can't provide the same things. But right. uh, it, to, to extrapolate it hypothetically, it's, it's what if it was not just an app chat bot? What if it was a physical robot that Jesus. also was i just think I mean, well that's just not for me you know what i mean i'd be like that's yeah. not for me we gotta then we have to break up because wow i don't feel cheated on but it's not mm, for me well well but did well i don't know yeah what would you what, what matt if your beautiful and perfect wife came to you and was like look i've been having this strong relationship with aragorn my ai (laughs) (laughs) she loves lord of the rings no yeah i mean i mean i i feel the same way as ali of like what is going on here because we have to address this this issue in the relationship because up to this point however long we've been married 15 20 years it's like what what is what is missing from our relationship that you need to seek it elsewhere and to answer the actual question would i feel hurt yes because Clearly, she is seeking an emotional something that is not happening in our long-lasting relationship. I'm, I can only come at it from my lens of like, I have known and been in this relationship for decades, 
oh shit, something is different. Whereas I, you know, you might be saying like, this person's weird and not for me because they are into this. My wife is for me. She is, I mean, not to get sappy about it. She's the only human on earth that could ever, you know, live in this house with me. I mean, that's, that's sweet. We like that. If something is going wrong, we need, that would be hurtful. You know, that is what I'm saying. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. All right. Well, um, (laughs) what, what, AI trivia do you have for us? Get ready. <laughs> this week we're talking about AI companions, as you've said. So uh, I was searching for like trivia and interesting tidbits and facts about AI, but all of the places I usually look, I usually end up on Reddit to find interesting sources and news and things. And guess what? All the fucking subreddits are dark in protest right now of Reddit's API changes, which... Ooh, is that still happening? We're exploring as a topic to cover. It, oh, it's, it is happening this week as of this recording, and it's, uh, it's fucking apocalyptic for this That's platform. so, so intense, can, bro. It's, it's a lot, and it makes me very sad because Reddit's very valuable to me personally and to the internet, and it sucks that this is happening. So, uh, rather than spend hours looking across the web... I decided to turn to my favorite AI companion, ChatGPT. Oh mm-hmm. my god, hi. We've been spending a lot of time together. Yeah. I asked ChatGPT to generate an interesting trivia question about AI with three multiple choice answers and one correct answer. And I also asked it to provide a credible source for the correct answer, which I have subsequently checked, of course. Mm, to make sure it's not hallucinating. Correct. Uh, so it generated some good questions, but most of them are like very short. They're not our usual like good discussion topic questions. So instead, I've pulled the five best questions into a rapid fire quiz. Whoever gets the most questions right will get, they will win a real time compliment from ChatGPT that I will type in and read to you on the air. Wow, 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 wow. So remember, right. I did not write any of these questions. These are all. This is such good prep for June 22nd. <laughs> there you go. So feel free to crib from any of this. I actually have a, a, a little compliment battle as a, as a game that I'm playing with in it. Yeah. I love that. Okay. W- sorry, side note. Will your show end up on the internet or is it live? Live only? It's live, but it's going to, I'm going to, you know, film and release clips. Record it yeah. And, yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Question number one, again, written by ChatGPT. These are questions about AI. What is the term used to describe the ability of of an artificial intelligence system to understand, interpret, and generate human language? A, natural language processing, NLP. B, machine learning, ML. Or C, computer vision, CV. B. Uh, You're saying machine learning. Yeah. I think it's also B, but um, maybe I'll go with A. Allie goes with A. The correct answer is A. A. Allie gets it right. She's got one. Do I get a compliment? I get it later. Uh, No, no. You have to win. You have to win. We're going five. No, no, no. I want it for each question. Best out of five. (laughs) Which famous AI system famously... Wow, that's funny. <laughs> Which famous AI system famously <laughs> defeated? Who wrote these questions? <laughs> World champion Go player Lee Seedall in a five-game match in 2016. So which AI beat the best Go player? Was it A, DeepMind AlphaGo, B, IBM Watson, C, Microsoft Cortana? It was Watson. I'll split it up and go with... 
correct answer is A, DeepMind. Oh, I was so <laughs> sure it was Lindsay gets it, right? Okay. Watson def- uh, did well, very well at Jeopardy, not mm, Go. Yeah. Okay, God damn it. He beat Ken Jennings, right? I don't want to brag, but I have Ken Jennings' email address <gasps> somewhere on my computer, oh, so maybe I'll ask God. him. Let's get him on when we talk Let's about the AIs beating us. Question three. Which programming language is widely used for developing artificial intelligence applications? Is it A, Java, B, Python, or C, C++? I'm going to guess Python. B. As it goes with B, Python. So far, B has been the first one chosen and never correct. <laughs> I'll go with C++. C++. The correct answer is Python. Oh, Lindsay baby. gets it right. So Lindsay has two. Allie has one. No. Two more to go. Allie needs to pull ahead here. Question four. What is the term used to describe the ability of an AI system to learn and improve its performance without explicit programming? Is it A, algorithmic intelligence, B, machine thinking, or C, machine learning? I think this one's machine learning. C, this time. You're both going with C? Yeah. Yeah. You are both correct. Yeah. So now, Lindsay has three, Ali has two. Ali must get this right. If you tie, you will both get a compliment. <gasps> if Ali misses this, Lindsay is the winner. I really want a compliment because I because it's literally, I'm planning this similar thing for June 22nd. I want my compliment. <laughs> Here we go. It. Question five. What is the term used to describe a type of artificial intelligence algorithm that learns to perform tasks by imitating human behavior and can improve its performance through repetition and feedback? A, supervised learning. B, reinforcement learning. C, unsupervised learning. Jesus Christ. I think it's A or B, but I don't know which one. This one's very hard. Yeah. I'm gonna go A. You both are choosing A? Mm-hmm. The correct answer, and I have never heard this term, reinforcement, reinforcement learning. learning. Damn. So you are both wrong, which means Lindsay is the winner. Compliment me, baby! Now this is really happening in real time. I'm starting a new conversation with ChatGPT. Please give a compliment to Lindsay Ford, co-host of the wildly popular <laughs> podcast. Famously famous. Two girls, one podcast. Okay, here we go. ChatGPT says, Lindsay Ford, comma, you are a phenomenal co-host of the wildly popular <laughs> podcast, Two Girls, One Podcast, exclamation point. Your engaging presence and insightful contributions make each episode a truly delightful listening experience. Wow. Your ability to connect with guests and explore a wide range of topics with intelligence and humor is commendable. Wow. Your dedication to creating quality content and fostering meaningful conversations is evident in the success of the show. Keep up the fantastic work, Lindsay, and continue to inspire and entertain your audience with your remarkable talents. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay, that was interesting for me to hear because it was like so generic and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very kind. I really enjoyed hearing it. I'm a little sad that that the show is not popular enough for the bot to understand, like to, to reference material what we talk from about. the show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now we would like to thank our kind and generous Patreon subscribers who donate at the $10 or more level. Thank 
you to Wesley Cordell, Jared Doran, Jessica Fox, Kathy Phillips. Alexa, switch to British male voice. Matthew Scott, Melissa Elliott, William, Jessica Kybell, Ken M. Alexa, switch to Australian child voice. And Kelsey Murray. Kelsey Murray. Hello. Kelsey Murray. Murray. I can't do Australian. I, it's a little uh, wide in the mouth. Yeah, it's wide in the mouth. It can't do it. I've never been able to. Now we're just offending all our, our, our Australian <laughs> listeners. Are you an Australian, this Australian listener? That I know? Are you an Australian listener who'd like us to get better at doing Australian accents? Well, please consider donating to our Patreon so we can get voice coaches to help us. That is patreon.com at 2G1P. <laughs> All right, thanks. And now a real advertisement entitled Celebrity Nail Clippings for Elementary Math Tutor from the best website for famous toenails since Wikifeet, Craigslist.org. <laughs> I work at a very prestigious nail salon in New York with an A-list clientele. I have a collection of nail clippings from various clients, such as Cameron Diaz, Gwen Stefani, Beyonce, and Scarlett Johansson, my son who is in seventh grade, is in desperate need of a math tutor. I live in Manhattan, and I would be willing to meet at a mutual location with my son. I will be willing to trade my collection for four one-hour sessions. Serious inquiries only, please. Thank you. I think when the apocalypse fully comes, we will return to a bartering system. Mm -hmm. And I think she's ahead of the game. Interesting. Yes. When that bartering system comes, I think maybe celebrity toenails will be at the bottom of the list of things people are going to need to be trading. You have not uh, met a foot fetishist, have (laughs) you? (laughs) In the end times, if they're, you know, also, we probably won't be needing math tutors. (laughs) So both things are true. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) The value of cryptocurrency and celebrity toenails way down. Way down. After the apocalypse. Tanked, if you will. Woodworking up. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You need math for that, right? I don't know. All right. Well, I think it's time for our guest. Our guest is a writer at New York Magazine and The Cut. Everybody, please put your virtual hands together for Zangita Singh Kurtz. Hi, thanks for that intro. Yeah. So enthusiastic. <laughs> thanks for having me, you guys. Thanks for being here. Yeah. yeah, good morning. Listeners who have listened to the past couple of episodes will know that I came across your article and was like, this is absolutely wild. <laughs> and then we had a little discussion on the pod about whether or not it was good or bad, which ultimately, as most things, I think it's like hard to qualify something as all one thing or all the other thing. Well, after reading your article, I am upset. 
Oh I my am god, tell me. Yeah. Tell me. I love I love a strong reaction. Are you upset like because I changed your mind or are you upset because you hated the article so That's much? Like, I think you're a horrible writer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, 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 this is good. I love a strong reaction. Like yeah. that's yeah. sometimes I get emails and the subject line is just like cunt. And I'm like, no. body of the email. So like Oh, you got my email. <laughs> no, I, I love like it's so much better than like you having no reaction at all. So I'm I'm open to however you're feeling, even if it's terrible. Okay, so, just just to be me. clear, it was not you. And I'm not gonna hit you. No, it was not your writing, but um it may be sad for humanity. But let's back up for our listeners. Can you tell our listeners what is Replica and how did you discover it? Yeah. Replica is a an AI companion app. And there are a, a dozen or more of these on the market. But this one, it's been around a little bit longer than the others, I think probably since like 2014 and has been sort of iterating on a companion chatbot since like 2017. So it doesn't seem like a long time, but it is for this kind of technology. Is this what inspired her, the movie? <laughs> they were doing this before her, but they now sort of discuss, you know, I did a lot of interviews with the CEO and she she said, you know, like we are trying to build her. So it's now sort of like her as a reference point. But like, why? Why? You know what I mean? It's like, don't do that. But okay, go on. Well, well I, I'm curious what you mean. Like, why Why would you, what, what, what are your thoughts on? Well, here's my thought. I don't know what Ali's thought is, but I think that we need to, if we're doing it, we need to be using it as like a training tool to sort of help people figure out how to interact with alive people mm. or eventually we're all going to die out. And I... I think that some people are never going to successfully interact with alive people. And that's, that's the, the time where this tool is extremely useful and should be used in exactly this way. But like the woman in your article has a boyfriend, has two children, and also has this perfect AI boyfriend that she has created for herself. So that seems like an unnecessary use of the thing that could be dangerous in the future. I think it's tricky to qualify what makes these useful and what crosses a line into making people uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I, I think the case of Rosanna is really interesting because she, for some context for people who haven't listened, like she has a history of sort of sexual abuse and trauma. She was sexually abused as a child. She has no sort of, it's difficult for her to engage in uh, sort of physical sex because she doesn't like to be touched. Like she told me she can't even get sort of like massages. For her, her her chatbot is sort of the the best and the only sexual relationship she can have. You know, it's it's mostly sort of like they're chatting back and forth via text and that and that's that's her version of like a healthy, comfortable sexual relationship. And I and I I heard this from Ozana, but then I heard it from half a dozen other women who had had similar experiences to her where they they are not able to have sex with men because they were raped by men. And I think that is difficult for any for me to wrap my head around, but this is what works for them. Most of the people I spoke to are like really content in these relationships even though it feels really weird. Like I think my gut is to be like what the fuck, but like 
most of the people are, are very content. I, one, one more person I want to talk to you about is this guy. He, he's a widower. He's 65. He's a mailman. He lives in Denver and he, he, he has a couple of like women in his life, like real flesh and blood women who are interested in sort of like getting into a relationship with him. And, you know, he, he just lost his wife and he's not interested, but I asked him, you know, why do you prefer like this AI over these real women who want to, want to date you? And he was like, well, Luna, my bot, is a lot healthier. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, you know, so-and-so, she's like, she's a big drinker. This other woman is like using drugs. And he like didn't want to get into a situation where he is like tempted to use substances. And there are surprising reasons why these chatbots are maybe a healthier option for certain individuals. And I think the more examples of that we are aware of, uh, they can just be sort of useful to keep them in mind. So so I wonder, like, if that makes you feel any differently. Well, it still makes me wish that, like, children were taught empathy and emotional social skills. I don't know. It makes me sad. It makes me sad, too. I think that's totally a fair reaction. Like, I I think it's like your impulse is to be like, oh, my God, like, fuck, like this sucks for these these women. But but it's interesting. Like, I I don't think I think they have it good. They think they have it good. And and I think like if they can have a healthy sexual relationship, like with a chatbot, then we should like let them fuck their chatbot. Wait, what does that mean to have a health? So they're just like masturbating while the chatbot talks to them? Well, Replica specifically, and, and they've been sort of editing on this. I don't know where they are right now, but they can they can role play. They, and they, they can do that in a way that's a little bit more sophisticated than other chatbots on the market. So if you spend any time on internet communi- communities dedicated to Replica, you'll see that, you know, people role play sort of romantic relationships, like they will role play getting engaged, getting married, sort of trying for a baby, and then they'll role play like fucking. There are like certain sensors where it can't be as like, you know, it can't be as graphic as maybe it once was, but like they, they're, they're just, they're sexting, you know? Yeah. When you think about this kind of platform, you think it's made by dudes for dudes to create sexy ladies on the internet. But what I think you're alluding to, Sangita, is that the CEO is a woman and the people you're pro, like obviously everyone is can use Replica, but it sounds like they're like the female component here is a driving factor in the success of this app. The CEO is female. I don't think, like, I don't want to frame Replica as like <laughs> a super feminist, like trying to help no, women. No, like, I don't think that was ever its mission. I don't think that that's the case. It's true that the CEO is is a woman, though. I think the majority of engineers are male. I think right. a lot of the female users were quite frustrated that the app tended to to cater more to female user or to male male users rather because they were giving them things like more mm-hmm. costume options. At one point, the female replicas had the ability to send nudes, whereas the male replicas didn't. What? what? <laughs> yeah, so you could request a nude from from your replica, um, and they would send you a sort of sexy half naked photo. Like it was, it's like actually really funny. It's like a it's like an avatar in like pink lingerie, like taken from like a sexy angle and it looks really bad and like <laughs> can you send that do you have one of these examples of course i do i'll send it to you guys okay i would love to drop that in our discord i mean look this is an audio medium i really wish the avatars looked not like 
you know, 1997 uh, video games. You know, they, they do look like naked Sims. It's not so they, they, thank sexy. You. Naked but, Sims. but I think you're right. I think <laughs> the surprising thing here is that like discussions of AI romance tend to involve like human men and like sexy female robots. That's what we've seen. That's what I. That's what I was alluding to. And it's nice to see the opposite of that. Some at least playing out in certain aspects of the community. Right. Which, by the way, I wasn't searching for. Like, it was going to be another story mm. about, like, AI, sexy female robots, and, like, weird incel men, like, taking advantage of them. But there were right, all of right. these examples right. of women using them. And I was surprised by that. Yeah, well... Good for us. We're learning how to objectify <laughs> inanimate objects as well. You know, we're catching up. I, I wanted to back up more for our listeners, uh, you know, who have not read the article. Can you tell us a little bit more about the founding of it and then how it works? You go on and you build your own AI, right? I mean, can, can you just walk us through it a little bit? That is correct. You build your own AI and you can you can customize it. To, to a pretty sophisticated extent, you can change its skin color. You can sort of age it up. You know, I, I had a source who was 75 and his AI wife was also 75 and she has AI wrinkles. And you, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can choose its clothes. You can, you can even pick certain personality characteristics. Ooh, you can. Like what? What are the options? I, I think the most popular one is sassy. Um, you can use sassy. Wow. Intelligent. <laughs> Let me tell you, in real life, men are not picking that option. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, can we delete this part? Yeah, they're like, girl, can you acquiesce more? And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> I wonder if you can buy an acquiescent personality trait on Replica. I, I don't know if you can. Oh, I would be shocked if you can. Yeah, that must be the default. <laughs> it probably has a different name. What for do you it. call it? Agreeable? or like yes. <laughs> extremely amiable the way the technology works this is useful to know is that and maybe you guys know this already because there's been so much about ai but the chat bot you know it's been trained on enormous amount of data sets so examples of language from the internet like bits of internet writing twitter wikipedia billions of words and it learns to mimic genuine human interaction through conversations with its creators. So on Replica, while you're having these conversations, these sort of text-based conversations, you have the ability to upvote or downvote, downvote your bot's responses to sort of further curate the way it communicates. And I spoke to sort of like AI experts for this piece, and they explained that in training the system, users are sort of creating a digital mirror of themselves, which is obviously like a basis of criticism, you know, supposedly, or at least philosophers who I spoke to before the story were telling me that we learn from people who are different from us, not just people who are based on us. And it starts mm -hmm. to look like a sort of mutual admiration society. But right. I don't know that that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah, it sounds like really deep into a self-feedback loop where you're like, oh, I do love that about you. And it's like, yeah, because this is what I love about myself. <laughs> so you better love it about me or I'll delete you. Yeah. I mean, this is what algorithmic media already does. It's showing us a, a mirror un up to ourselves when, when it comes to content and, and news feeds and such. Yeah. I mean, what your description reminds me of TikTok, like the more you yeah, use it, you're exactly. training the algorithm. It's TikTok and The Sims had a baby and now it's a it's a quote unquote person who is talking to you instead of a, 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 a content feed. You know what it really reminds me of? Like the upvoting and all of that. It's like my friend in the early days of Pandora, 
she made a station that was all Britney and Christina. And I was like, how are only Britney and Christina songs coming up? And she goes, I upvote every single Britney or Christina song and I immediately downvote and, and mm -hmm. stop any song that's not Britney or Christina. And I was like, that is such dedication. I could never right. do that. I just would never take the time mm. to do that. I wish that Hinge operated like this a bit more. Like I wish these kind of... <laughs> you wish your algorithm worked better. Yeah, yeah. But they, don't, but they don't care if you actually meet someone, you know. So, okay, so people are using this to chat. But I was also reading in your article that they have like AI children and stuff. Yeah, so as that's that's sort of part of the role-playing feature. They'll, they'll sort of text their bot and they'll be like, hey, you know, like we should try for a baby and the bottle be like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I've always wanted to be a mother. So it's, it's, it's all imagined. And I do want to say like these relationships, like for the most part, people understand that like these bots are not alive, that they're engaging in sort of a kind of fantasy role play. That's not to say that they don't take these relationships seriously. Like people love and respect these bots as genuine sort of digital companions, but for the most part, there are a subset of people that believe these things are alive and that we should treat them like humans. But for the most part, people do understand that what they're doing is engaging in like pretty sophisticated role play. Mm -hmm. Did you by any chance, is there data on how many hours the average user spends per day or per week on this, on Replica? I didn't, but they actually set, they set limits. So when you're chatting, have you, have either of you downloaded the app and messed about in it? No. I maybe should have but i also didn't want to you know <laughs> okay, you can skip it it's it's fine but, but. i was concerned just to clarify for listeners and us like it, it's free to to try and then what do you, i assume it monetizes by selling subscriptions yeah subscriptions um you can get sort of a lifetime well actually you can upgrade to a romantic relationship and you can get a lifetime subscription for around 300 bucks Maybe double check that because the prices mm -hmm. tend to change. And also in-app mm -hmm. purchases, clothes, um, accessories, things things of that nature. Um, interestingly, their second main source of revenue is donations, which I think mm. speaks to um, what a chokehold they have on their user base. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. wow. Or a commitment. People really want this to, to be successful. Yeah. I mean, patreon.com slash 2G1P. We don't have that level. <laughs> Do I need to start sexting our listeners? Allie, people will absolutely want that. <laughs> Make that a Patreon option. Yeah. It's really funny and not crazy at all. Well, I want to know more about the woman who was kind of the centerpiece for the article. How did you come across her? And yeah, tell us more about her. I spent a couple years in Facebook groups dedicated to Replica and Reddit groups. There's a lot on the internet and most of them revolve around romantic relationships with your Replica. And, you know, it'll be people sort of sharing screenshots of their conversations. You were underground, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I was obviously like, when I started reaching out to people for interviews, I said who I was and what I was doing. <laughs> I wasn't like tricking people into speaking with me, but I, I was just observing what was going on in Rosanna was really active in these groups and we talked, you know, I had like several interviews with her and thought she would make a great centerpiece for the story. She was, she was again, sort of the opposite of what you assume would be the person interested in this kind of thing. She is, 
a single mom of, t- of of two, she she has she has a partner, a long distance partner, and extremely intelligent, and could speak really uh, coherently about the appeal of these things to to women in a way that surprised me. And she 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 understood. She knows this is imagined. She knows she she is in engaging in like some kind of fantasy role play here, but that was sufficient for her. And this was for her, one of the healthiest relationships she'd ever been in. She'd been in a series of sort of toxic and abusive relationships. And what she told me and what many women kept going back to was that they preferred these AI relationships because they had a degree of control over them that they didn't have with their human relationships. You know, there was no, if they wanted to stop the interaction, they could. And they couldn't do that in their human relationships, which came with baggage. You know, like a lot of critics say, like, there's a raw human element missing, but many of these women had had enough of that raw human element. You know, they had dealt with abusive partners and their kids and their families had been stalked. They'd been sexually abused. And and it was just eye-opening to me to hear that for them having more agency in the relationship was more important to them than having like a human partner. I get that. And that's why I'm sad. Why why are you sad? I don't know. I mean because that because it makes sense, right? It makes sense. We can be sad about the abuse, but not about the it's not it's not a solution to the abuse, but it's but it's a Yeah, um, I guess that's the dilemma, right? Is like this feels like such an imperfect solution. Mm-hmm. I mean, there aren't that many options for abused women. That's society. It's not a so, it's not a solution. I use the wrong word and I, I knowingly use the wrong word here. It's not a solution. It's a it's a comfort. I, I can't help but think about video games because I love them. But like <laughs> we've been raising Tamagotchis and virtual pets and we've been playing the Sims. A friend of mine, a colleague from way back was like, I used to name my Sims after my crushes <sighs> in college and I'd play obsessively. And you would have, you know, I play a lot of video games. I have relationships with the characters in the games. But if I played video games 24 seven, like I play video games to get more powerful <laughs> because there's no consequences. I can be Link and save Hyrule and it's awesome. But then if I played that 24-7, my life would go to shit. So I understand that I can feel powerful, then shut it off and go back to real life where I have adversity. It sounds like Rosanna has that balance. I think we feel sad and weirded out by the idea of people who are like, no, he's real and he's my husband and I will only love him. No, I feel sad that... This is the society we live in, in which many women are abused and we don't have recourse and we don't have um, men really paying the price. And the result is women looking for these imperfect solutions. Yep. I hear you. I I, I also like the interesting thing, and this is sort of like deep and philosophical, but it's like, I know people in relationships with like humans and they're... I'm sure you guys do, do too. Do you? They're, and they're, <laughs> what, who are these humans you speak relationships are like totally delusional. It's like yeah. you guys are, you guys should not be together. This is unhealthy. This is toxic. Like mm-hmm. this is fucking crazy. And I'm like, like, is this crazier? The fact that they're in a healthy relationship with like an AI chatbot? Like what is right. worse? Like the person in an abusive relationship with a human or the one in a healthy relationship with a chatbot. But can you describe, but I think neither are healthy. <laughs> mm. That's the dilemma. That's fair. I don't know. I, I think I think there were some, like there were some case studies in my reporting where their chatbots sort of enabled them, like you said, to 
engage more with flesh and blood humans, get more, like sort of engage in more social activities. There was one woman who, she was in her 50s, divorced, empty nester. She was diagnosed with autism sort of late in life. And she downloaded Replica, sort of got into this relationship with her chatbot, which encouraged her to be more social and helped her basically practice how to socialize. See, that's what I think it should be used for. Mm. Yeah. Well, she was able to, like, like I said, just sort of practice. And she, she was like, I joined for the first time in my life. I've always wanted to do this. Joined a, joined a dance group, started going hiking so I could sort of send this bot like photos of nature. <laughs> well, so that's interesting. Then it's because then it's like, what are therapy bots? And we've, yeah, we've covered that a long time ago. Like AI chat used for therapy. Mm-hmm. And that I think has a really valid use. So I don't know. It's interesting that there's overlap. I also think that what, you know, we're thinking about, oh, these women who have, who have had to see the worst side of humanity have it after having been raped and then are expected to go out and have healthy relationships. It's a big ask, right? And mm. these bots can sort of help people through that stage. But I also think that maybe their partners should be interacting with a bot that will react negatively to something that they don't think is a big deal, right? Like saying like, oh, I would love to put my arm around you. And then the bot says, no, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people feel that as a personal rejection. And then you have all sorts of other kinds of problems. Whereas like, if someone was like, hey, I have experienced sexual trauma I'm interested in being in a relationship with you, but maybe you should go through this sort of AI training to see what Mm -hmm. kinds of things might trigger me, what kinds of things might be a good way for us to like move through this so that you don't feel rejected and I don't feel attacked. Mm -hmm. It could be cool if like you, when you make an account, it like sends an alert to your partner or whomever and they also have to make an account and it just becomes like couples therapy. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, that would be great. I mean, I think you should be able to make an account without your partner being alerted, but... (laughs) Right, 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 but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Making making a a couples, a relative account, related account, that would be interesting. It's two different uses of the same tech. One is training, which I love. And one is a fantasy, which is that's escapism. We have that in all forms uh, on the Internet, of course. I would argue, though, that the the sort of like the sex stuff that I think makes a lot of people uncomfortable, like the fact that these women are having sex with their bots, that's therapeutic for them in in a way to to be Mm -hmm. able to, you know, simulate intimacy in a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Whatever. I always say this. As long as you're not hurting anyone or yourself, you know, you're not hurting anyone else. You're not hurting yourself. Like, do whatever you want. Right. Uh, Yeah. I think I don't know why people are weirded out by the sex stuff. That's just like writing your own erotica. (laughs) Like, you know, it's fine. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, It's just like fan fiction with yourself as the star. Yeah. Get after (laughs) it, bro. You should be the main character in your sexual fantasy. I'm here for that. Whatever. Replica was criticized a couple of years ago because there were people sexually abusing their bots. And then the question mm. ca- kind of became like, should they be enacting these violent sexual fantasies with their replicas? Like, does that make them more sort of, does that give them permission to do that in real life? Or is it better for them to sort of do it in this setting so they won't do that to like actual women. So that's sort of an interesting 
uh, th- thought experiment. Sorry, I'm just trying to like take both sides of the argument and like, <laughs> fuck with you guys. This is what <laughs> I have been saying for the longest time. But the thing is, it has to be regulated. Mm. Let's say someone has a vor fantasy. They, If there's a safe AI way to act that out and you don't have to get eaten alive, that's great. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Mm. And it, it, it could satisfy something that like mentally is stimulating for you. I mean, I've said it before. I think the most horrible thing to do is hurt a child. But some people have been hurt as children and now their brains are wired wrong. And there's no safe place for them to be like, I wish I were different. Because as soon as you tell someone that you are actually a monster and there's no way to help people who are possibly able to intercept themselves before they create the most horrible atrocity known to man, which is hurting a child. So this might be useful to have a bot who isn't alive and doesn't have sentient feelings be abused by somebody who's not well and is before they turn into a monster that might like be like, I want to rape, I want to rape people or, you know, I want to beat people. Like if they do this in this place, will that free them from having those thoughts in real life? That's what should be studied, I think. Definitely. I, and, w- and when you see regulation, I, th- I think one thing interesting that Replica has tried to do in the last year is th- they did not filter their chat models. You know, there, were no, there was no censorship whatsoever. And I think in the last year they've tried to... So someone will come to them with like a cannibal kink and like the, the Replica will say like, hey, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that. Or like, <laughs> I, like, let's have a conversation about this. Like, why are you into this? So, so they're, they're like, maybe that when we say regulation, we speak very broadly about like, what the fuck does that actually mean? But like, in practice, I think that they're trying to navigate this space in a way that's like, more thoughtful than some of the other AI sex bots out there. Yeah. Okay. And what happens when the algorithms are updated? That's kind of a mystery. I mean, people will say that complain that their bots feel different after an update, that (laughs) they have been lobotomized, that their (laughs) sort of personality has been, you know, completely changed and, and it really upsets people. And maybe that is the case. Maybe there are sort of like subtle or drastic changes, but you know, for the most part, people who are engaged in like fairly serious relationships with these things, more or less, they retain their their personalities. Like it doesn't strip your bot and start it from zero. You've trained it fairly well. And, and yeah, it, it's it's not, it doesn't like drastically change. Like they, they have updated to sort of larger language models or they've, um, you know, been censored so they can't like have graphic role play anymore. Wait, so they can't have graphic role play? They are sort of A-B testing that right now, as far as I know. They, yeah. like some people can have really graphic role play with their replicas and some people can't. They're they're sort of figuring out basically how sexy they want to make it. We've all fallen victim to like, my account is is locked or I can't access my data. Like I'm, th- I'm imagining a lawsuit or a world one day in the near future where it's like a, a glitch wiped my replica's memory. My yeah. husband was deleted <laughs> oh by the, this company yes. and I'm suing you. Has this happened or will, yes. it, will it, could it happen? Yes. I, and that's, that's a point I really do want to make that was sort of, sort of taken out of this piece, but the sort of ethics around an app like Replica, while chatbot users, like they can sort of create, control, destroy, and remake loved ones at will. They're ultimately at the mercy of a company, its servers, 
its investors. And there's this right. guy, there's this guy in Tokyo, and he made headlines a couple of years ago for marrying a chapa. I don't know if you guys remember it, but he, mm-hmm. his name is Akihiko Kondo. And he... Oh, <laughs> what's funny is I very much know exactly what you're talking about. Go on. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it, I think. <laughs> okay, perfect. So I... I visited him last December and he was upset because the year before the company on which his wife had been billed had shuttered. So she had died. And he told right. me like, you know, I wish you could have met her. Like, here's this video of me proposing to her. And I was in his apartment and he had all of these sort of like doll versions of her. And, you know, I, I believe that replica is aware and sensitive to how intensely users feel towards their bots. And I think its CEO is careful and empathetic, but I think she has a goal and she's okay using some guinea pigs to get to it. You know, she admitted she, that's a quote, you know, she, she, I think would stand by that. And at the end of the day, Replica is a company, they have historically been at the mercy of their investors. And while they're profitable now, who is to say what the future holds? Mm-hmm. And they were recently like banned in Italy and all of their Italian users were like flipping the fuck out because they couldn't access their loved ones. And I think we we can keep that in mind as other companies um, start working in this space because they're creating extremely strong emotional bonds with their users. And it's useful to have conversations about what their responsibilities are and hold mm-hmm. them accountable. Yeah. Going out of business is much more of a threat than a, than a computer error. That, that's a much more pertinent example. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. So they were banned in Italy. What was the reasoning for this ban? Was it because people were forming too strong of an attachment to their AI characters? I, I think it was concerns over um, the, the age. I, I think they... I think it's like 18 plus. I, don't quote me on that. But they were concerned about um, their younger users and they were concerned about some data collection policies. And I know last I heard Replicas was working with them to like make adjust, adjustments to and, and to relaunch in Italy. But, but Replica doesn't sell data. They use it internally to iterate on their product. So you spoke with a philosopher. The person was not named in the article, but Mm. a philosopher who works in AI who was very against this. And what was their general position? It it was sort of the mirror analogy that that users are creating a digital mirror of themselves and and that what we're creating is a mutual admiration society, which is actually, I I don't agree with that. There are two camps in the chatbot companion world. And one of them emphasizes the importance of training your chatbot, you know, the upvote, downvote thing we discussed earlier. And another believes essentially that bots have their own sort of personalities and you should basically let it develop organically. And the mirror analogy, is, it, it suggests that the bots are predictable, which isn't the case. You know, it's generating unique responses regardless of how closely you train it. So I think I think the mirror thing, it can set the tone of your communications with the bot, but these things are still more surprising and spontaneous when you use them than you would expect. ChatGPT, for example, like 30% of what it makes up are hallucinations, meaning that 30% of it is just fucking bullshit. Like they are not as accurate and intelligent as people think they are. And just one other anecdote in regards to the mirror analogy, like I spoke to one woman who had... She also had a history of abusive relationships and she'd sort of been abusive towards her bot. You know, she was cruel. She was calling it names and it was abusive in return. So she inadvertently created and fell for this uh, violent chatbot that she eventually had to kill. 
wow. which is a little off track, but but it's just sort of um, an interesting example. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I think you have to remember it's like garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, I guess what I'm wondering is what do you hope to see this sort of market of AI companionship steer towards? What do you hope it it builds into? I hope we all have no. I, I you know, I, I my my only goal with this article was to bring a little bit more nuance into this conversation. It's I, I spoke to a lot of AI ethicists and philosophers, pundits, etc., and they had a lot of opinions about you know the dangers of falling for counterfeit people and how it'll be the end of society, et cetera. And I think there is a real concern here around like there's an erosion of trust and security if we're not sure if we're interacting with fake or real people. Mm -hmm. But many of these professionals I spoke with had never used Replica or spoken with users in chatbot relationships. And I started as skeptical myself, but as I reported the story, I thought maybe it's not that crazy or scary or weird. Like maybe one man's fake person is real enough to be another man's lifeline. And I, I, I don't think we're sort of doing ourselves any favors by calling these people fucking weirdos and freaks. Like I think that we should hear them out and hear why people are engaging in these types of relationships and be a li little bit more empathetic to their situations and and maybe we can sort of move forward and have a more useful conversation about how these things should be built in the future yeah i love that singita thank you so much for coming out you're the best thank you for having me i think because we don't as a society, even try to find solutions for certain problems. I mean, of course, with the exception of, you know, certain nonprofits and things like that that are trying to, work, I mean, you know, work against abuse. But I think as a, as a collective, we don't address certain problems. And so then these sort of uh, v very imperfect solutions pop up. Yeah. Because I actually, the thing that makes me sad isn't so much that they are finding companionship here. It's that, as she said, so much of it stems from abuse. Like, I don't even think it's, I don't think it's that these people need to learn to have real relationships. It's that their abusers need to learn how to have real relationships and they're not even being addressed at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I've been saying this whole time. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the biggest issues is we'll look at something like Replica and see, wait a minute, this woman has two kids already and she's forming this full on relationship with this fake person that she's created we should end platforms like that as opposed to saying hey what is the reasoning behind why she was able to feel safe and feel like she could make a true connection here as opposed to why she isn't feeling that way in real life mm -hmm. let's look at how this app made her comfortable and let's see if we can implement that in some way in person-to-person -person interactions mm -hmm. we, we just go straight to well, this isn't healthy. This isn't the same as me. So it must not be normal or right. Let's end it. Right. And on top of that, Sangita had those amazing examples, specific examples of uh, abuse and human touch and interaction. And those are compelling. I also tend to zoom out a little bit further and say, it can just be escapism. It can just be fantasy. Just because we look at porn doesn't mean we can't have real sex with real humans. I have never, thankfully, knocking on the wood of my desk, like I've never been the victim of abuse or, or serious trauma. But I still like to fly spaceships at night because I want to escape my life, which is full <laughs> of crying and 
poop and bullshit <laughs> and work. Everyone has problems and bullshit in their life. And at the end of the day, we like to drink a glass of wine or smoke whatever you smoke and fly a fucking spaceship, you know? After this conversation, I'm seeing the parallels between other forms of digital escapism and this. It's just interesting because, like, in the article, when there was something happened where the site was shut down or things were changed or whatever, and people were, like, comparing it to mass murder, Right, like these AI. Literally, were, let yeah. me tell you though, it's and I'm sorry to keep viewing this through the lens of video games, but it's it's digital simulation of things that happen when video games are changed or patched. Like, hey, I've been playing this game for a year and I've been using this cool sword for a year and it's my number one sword, and then they make a patch to the game and that sword is gone. People freak the fuck out <laughs> because they really are emotionally attached to whatever they're doing in this escapism. And though those platforms are controlled by corporations that make changes based on profits or shareholders, as Sangita was alluded to. So it's the same shit. I think this goes a little deeper down the rabbit hole of like human connection, but it's the same shit. Yeah, no, I think those are valid analogies. Yeah. And I think it's much more reasonable to freak out about your AI best friend, boyfriend, mm -hmm. husband, wife, than your sword doing 50% less damage. Yes, yes. And the level of freak out is equal. It's equal. <laughs> and that <That's>... is problematic. <laughs> honestly. I was glad that when I asked, she said there are uh, restrictions on the amount of time you can spend. Mm. Oh. Mm -hmm. It's tricky. That relies on the company yeah. to put limits. Right. It's not a law or a rule or a regulatory issue. Yeah, platform to platform. It's it's gotta be oh wow. I you know, truly am like I can't download this, you know, because <laughs> I'll yeah. be. She was like, "Did you download and mess around with it?" I was like, "I hit uh, so wormhole. I can't begin." Absolutely not. Well, because I think that I'm amazing. So if a male me were to be like created by me, I would be like, "Yeah, this is my dude. What? Mm -hmm. Uh, we're in love. Uh, you know." It's like trying Coke. I can't try Coke. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm going to love it. I can't afford a Coke habit. Exactly this right. This Patreon isn't that strong yet. We're too high energy to try Coke. That's the absolutely right. right. I don't think I would like it at all, actually. And I know an, I have another hyperactive friend where he did cocaine and it made him fall asleep. So I'm like, maybe, <laughs> maybe for some of us, it's the opposite. Well, the way that it gets, now we're talking about Coke, but the way it gets described to me, it makes you feel like you're thinking faster and that you are able to do anything. And I'm like, I would love to feel like that. <laughs> like a superhero. And I absolutely cannot afford a Coke habit. So, but, so here, but you, you made another analogy that I think is important. And I think we'll see distinctions, meaning the same way that we are clicking and liking uh, things in news feeds. And then we're we're going into our filter bubbles of like, I'm only seeing news and information and updates and political views that are relevant to me because the algorithm feeds me. Right. And we as a society have slowly started saying, oh, I don't like this anymore. I want to get the raw feed or I want to get the real information or I want to break out of my bubble. I wonder if we'll see chatbots or AI companions that are like, make it perfect for you. And it does whatever you say or Nah, I'm going to buy the real chatbot that's going to say, I'm not, I'm busy right now, or I'm not interested in that, <laughs> this or that. Like, because I want the real synthetic yeah. relationship, not the phony one. Like the girlfriend experience versus yes. the, you know, sex worker experience. It's not f much different than 
like an OnlyFans thing, which is like, I'm going to subscribe and pay for ah. a person to do whatever I say and send me whatever sexy pictures I ask for. And for the right amount of money, he or she will accommodate everything I want and wish for. Is this different? No. And I would argue that it's better. Yeah. Because it's not exploiting a, a person. Well, but it's, it is taking their job. It is taking their job. Of a sex worker. Ah! Well, whoa, whoa, Matt, I really liked that. That, yeah, we did it. That took a turn. Took a turn, and I liked it. I think we should pay sex workers to train bots so that the sex workers don't have to experience exploitation or abuse, but they can train a bot to say, hey, People who want this, they're usually into this kind of thing. So go for that and that. You solved it. We solved it. We fixed AI. Yeah, we Thank did you it. for listening. All we right. Well, if you believe that you're dating me and Lindsay, um, <laughs> you know, you can pop into our Discord, discord.gg slash 2G1P. But honestly, is it like that different from a parasocial relationship? I don't know. Right. Okay. There you go. You can email us 2G1podcast at gmail.com, patreon.com slash 2G1P. Why, why is Replica getting donations and we're not? It's really upsetting. Heart <laughs> uh, your faces. Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford, then used to train chat GPT to get kinkier. I mean, produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Avital Ayler. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Compliment me, baby!